Eric is back with the cardigan, everyone. Everything is right with the world. That being said, everyone, welcome to another adventure here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney. And if it wasn't obvious, we have the cardigan-wearing Lieutenant Commander Eric himself back here with us to talk some more disco, along with the Lieutenant Commander from far, far away, Lieutenant Commander David. How are you guys doing? Yeah, doing good. It feels like we just uh, just talked not too long ago. You know, it's possible. It, it they're, they're all, all, all is possible, David, when it comes to our discussions that we have through all of time and space and the multiverse. Yes. All is possible, right? All is possible. Don't make but me... Do, do we want to make an example out of this, though? I was, yeah, I was about to say, do you want me to make an example of you? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. No. Good I, grief. I, yeah, I took the week off from the cardigan because it was hot last week, but it's a little <laughs> chilly. It's a little chilly now. By chilly, it it's on. like, well, I know here in in my part of the Alpha Quadrant, it's uh, it's 43 degrees currently at the time of the recording. Hey, it's 50 degrees in South Texas. That's cold. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's in the 30s up here, you know, where we actually have real weather around this time of the year. <laughs> oh, man. I miss well, seasons, right? It's it's felt like it doesn't feel like I've had seasons living in South Texas after mm. moving from Michigan and Missouri. And I mm. miss seasons. You know, there was, um, I don't know if you'll remember this, Eric, or David, I don't know if you've ever been up to um, Traverse City, Michigan by chance, but as you're going, um, I don't know how, how to describe it, but as you're like going, like rounding the, the curve or whatever, going to like towards the bay in Traverse City, in Grand Traverse, there's a big old giant hotel called the Four Seasons, and they have like some very, very tall trees, and I'm like, you know, this is very true. Northern Michigan definitely has all four seasons. So that is that is an accurate statement right there. Good and on you, Hotel. Well done. You could you could probably have all four seasons in one week too up there. That that's also true. That's yeah, also I true. Mean, I mean, I I you were there, Chase, the fall the spring conclave in late May where it snowed. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> that was yeah. interesting. Late what May year snow. was that? Oh. 2003, 2004. That might, that sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. I remember. Long time ago. And very long time ago. Yes. Good grief. Yeah. And I'm, if I, if, yeah. And we were like kind of um, like freaking out. I think like, was it like overnight? We were trying to like figure out what to do with some like ordeal candidates and like we had to yeah. like move them because of like all the. Because of it was so cold to sleep yeah. outside. Yeah. Oh, good grief. Good grief. Pulling back the curtain. Okay. Yeah, Four Seasons, everyone. Welcome to uh, the Weather Channel podcast. Not sponsored by the Weather Channel. Anyway. So, yeah, yeah guys, about that weather. Channel in like a decade. <laughs> you haven't watched wait, the Weather wait, wait, Channel wait. in like a decade. <laughs> I haven't had cable in probably a decade, so I like, haven't had the opportunity to watch it. Mm. What do you just watch on the Weather Channel? The weather? I mean, like... I mean, they have like storm stories with Jim Cantori, don't they? Like, like you know, like scripted. 
Next, next you're gonna start talking about how how sometimes you like to call into the. What is that? What was that number that you could call in for the time and the weather or whatever that was? Oh, I used to call the time channel all the time. The time we pick up your phone and call the time all all the time. I used to call that thing because I am an obs- <laughs> like no 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 no. <laughs> I am an obsessive clock watcher. I check the clock a thousand times a day, minimum, minimum, a thousand times a day. And people are always like, "What? Am I boring you? Why are you checking the clock? It's a compulsion. I have to check the clock." And I used to call up that thing all the time. It's like, at the tone, the time will be seven fifty-eight and twenty seconds. Beep. Oh my. <laughs> my goodness, dude! I would love to see like your phone statement. And like, just see how many times that number shows up on outbound calls. You know, that was back in the day. Pages. When had, that was back in the day when you had house phones, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> see, people, young people, there used to be phones that were in your house, right? And it plugged into a phone jack in the wall, and sometimes you know, they were cordless, sometimes they weren't. In our house, we still had an old school rotary phone where you could like mm. rotary dial it. I used to have so much fun playing with a rotary phone at my grandparents' <laughs> house. Like, uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, and ours was like in like a box where you like it looked like a jewelry box where you could like open the lid and the phone was in there and it had the rotary dial. And you oh could, like, my! Slam Lord. the phone wow. down, then slam the lid down, even like. I'm going to slam this phone down on this person and then slam the lid even more. That's, That's like almost like Adam wow. West Batman-esque, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. Good grief. That's, you so, know, that's so remarkably old, too. And, and I am going to find that number, and I'm going to see if it still works. <laughs> hey, hey, I still remember my old house phone number. That's like ingrained into I still remember a lot of people's old house phone numbers from back in the day when you had to call your friends up on your mm-hmm. house phone you called their house phone and there's no telling who would actually answer the phone yeah and you could be talking to them and somebody could pick up the phone in the different room and like listen in on your conversation <laughs> yeah. yeah my my <laughs> wife is um, to, for some reason my wife is watching uh fresh off the boat right now on um on one of the streaming services and there was an episode that I was just kind of like, you know, passing by and like semi watching. And it was like this angsty little kid who like wants to talk to like his little love interest, like in middle school or whatever. And instead of like picking up the phone, now my, it's set in the nineties. So instead of picking up the phone and calling her, he's like, I'm going to tell you, tell her how I feel with a mixtape <laughs> with a mixtape. Who yeah. made a mixtape? I, or, I, I think I made a few mixtapes back oh, in the yeah. day, like burn I, CDs too, right? I, I'd yeah. record songs off the radio. Yeah, oh yeah, you had to mm-hmm. wait, wait for it to come mm-hmm. on, like sitting around all day waiting for that song to come on. Yeah, that was pre-Spotify, <laughs> pre-Kazaa, pre-all of it. Napster, pre-everything. Pre-all of it. Like LimeWire, where you could download songs and give your computer like a disease. Computer aids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was Good worth way. it to get that one song to give your computer <laughs> aids. <laughs> oh, 
What are all these old guys talking about over here? I was about to say before we went down this rabbit hole that, you know, last time we were talking about Game Boys and you could like get a concussion by just having it thrown at you. And David <laughs> stepped in and was like, you know, guys, this is a bunch of boomer talk. We should probably stop. <laughs> wow. Wow. Game Boys are now boomer talk and LimeWire and mixtapes and burning CDs. Apparently. I miss the 90s. Yeah. We should start a 90s podcast. We can call it I Love the 90s. And call it. Did you ever watch that on VH1? I did. Those I Love the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then they, oh, yeah. And then they did like the I, I Love the 2000s. And yeah, like we were only like five years into it. I didn't, I didn't think <laughs> I saw that one. Yeah. Like around like the time we were all like, you know, finishing up high school or in going into college, that's when they were doing these I Love the, the oh, Whatevers. They didn't, even, they didn't even let it finish. And they didn't even get to like freaking 2010. Yeah. Or anything. <laughs> like, I know you want to like make some money off this show because like you got a good thing going for you, but come on now. Come on now. It is. What I remember. It is. I remember VH1 did that, that show. I watched all of those. I don't think I saw the 2000s one, but. Oh, they also did like the best songs of the seventies, the best songs of the eighties, nineties, and I saw the best songs of the two thousand one when they did that as well. Mm-hmm. Man, VH one back in the day. I, I, I think I enjoyed VH one much more than MTV, that's for dang sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean if if Weather Channel goes the way of MTV, man, we're in trouble. <laughs> Where there's <laughs> Is more that how we like got down this rabbit trail. <laughs> Weather related, weather related uh, reality TV on the Weather Channel. <laughs> Just have a bunch like, of have a bunch be, of people smacking no, each other no, while t- it, uh, tornadoes it, in the background. I got it. Twister, the reality show. <laughs> it's a reality show that follows people in their their like the like the characters in Twister, like trying to do science experiments, and there's the interpersonal relationships and the dynamics between the team. <laughs> Eric, it's got to be, it's got to be, we're making this, we're making this. It's got to be trashier. Yeah, I know. I'm pitching this to the weather channel, Twister, the reality show. Now you, you, you you could, you could have a hidden camera show where you just have like cameras on like trailers where in the path of tornadoes. Let's see. Let's see if they, if they hear the siren, Uh, they're not going for any sort of cover. Hmm. Let's see if they'll, uh, it, when the wind picks up, if they'll try. Oh, there they go. They're running. They're not going to make it either. Oh, there goes the cow. <laughs> we just need, like, one random, like, Cousin Eddie type of character in this show to, like, really, like, bring it all together. Like, they're the linchpin for this, this, this show. You know, like, Cousin Eddie from, like, the Christmas Vacation, like, oh, Vacation okay, series. Okay, you know sure, what I'm saying? Sure. We need, we need someone like that. Just like. get Brian Cranston. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was talking about a reality show, not a scripted show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because reality is... <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, reality air is air quotes. <laughs> 100% scripted. Oh, man. Oh. No, it's unscripted drama. Mm. Mm. So like the Real Housewives of whatever well, city or like, you're in. or like even like Survivor is technically called uns- unscripted reality, not or unscripted drama. Like it's that's not how enough. Well, it's not enough. They have to be well, naked, no, Eric. No, naked no, like, and afraid. Like, oh well, okay. You know, I, they, they're naked and afraid. <laughs> 
Don't make me blow you two out of an airlock, I swear. <laughs> Didn't what, you Chase, want this you to be under two Naked hours? Afraid on Discovery Channel? Yeah, yeah, we need to keep this show under like 14 hours, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there was, a con- there was a former Survivor contestant that went on Naked and Afraid. Is that an that MTV show? That was like show? the first... No, it was on Discovery Channel. Oh, I don't know. Well, we don't you have never Discovery watched Channel. It? We don't have Discovery Channel. Oh, we've... Okay. So, yeah, that's that's my excuse. Okay. I have Nat Geo through uh, freaking Disney, Disney Plus. That's about it, though. That's the closest I get to animals and nature on the television. All right. So, all right. Well, everyone, now that we've got our giggles out of the way, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. And, and talk about this here episode of Star Trek Discovery, season four, episode five. Really, the examples. Five out of eleven, right? Is that what it is? I mean, I, that's, everything I've seen says eleven episodes. Is but you know, we had thirteen before, fourteen before that, fifteen in season one. Yeah, it's the rumor on the street. So, cool. So anyway, this is your this is your warning. This is your spoiler warning. Red alert! If you have not seen this episode, go give it a watch, um, and come back and hit play. Otherwise, if you don't really care, keep on listening. That's cool too. So um, the examples, y'all. Um, episode five of this here fourth season of Disco, and we have um, first off. Um, I know I'm going to kind of like go a little bit out of order with some stuff, but we have, um, we do have like these ships that are kind of like on the outskirts of like checking out the DMA, um, doing whatever it's doing type of thing. We have a, the USS Janeway, we have a Vulcan science ship called the Tapau, and then we have, I think a third unnamed one. I didn't hear the name in like the two that I watched. But it looked very much like the NX-01 type of ship from um, Enterprise to me. And those were, that was like the pretty consistent comment for the most part that I was kind of, kind of seeing. Um, anyway, the, the, um, I don't know what it's called, but like the Janeway looked a lot like the freaking medical frigate in um, freaking Empire Strikes Back, for crying out loud. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's just me. That's just me. But uh, apart from that, uh, we were, were, were getting back to the DMA. We kind of like hit the pause button on it for a couple weeks and we're back to it. Um, and, and, you know, getting back into investigating it, like what's the big deal this go around. And I'm sorry, Eric, there were no captain's logs. I know. So, so what's better? What's better? A captain's log that goes on for far too long and is inappropriate for an official captain's log, or no captain's log at all. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think we've all kind of talked about it. It's it's nice to have a captain's log. No, it it it, it, it you, you know, know. So I, I guess I would rather have whatever it was, you know, whatever last week when it was too long versus having none. Mm-hmm. But. I mean the the setting, the setting of this initial episode is, you know, we we have we have our ships uh, monitoring and then oh our anomaly disappears and then we're automatically with Vance. So, you know, unless you unless you think about delaying it till later, it's normally the beginning of the show. We just didn't really have that chance here. 
unless well, you wanted the captain the Jane way to do it. I guess. Well, well, you've got you've got lots of episodes that I think have the captain's log right when you come back from the intro. You know, you've got the intro. You know, you've got the the teaser. Yeah, the, the cold intro, open type of thing. Yeah, the, the cold mm-hmm. open, the the intro, and then captain's log. And you could have done that here, but like this to me, I, I you know, yeah, we got the the USS Janeway and the NSS Tapau and. For those of you who don't remember... I'm sorry, not Vulcan. I shouldn't have said Vulcan. I should have said Navarre. Yeah. But yes. For those of you who don't remember who Tapau is, Tapau is the like Vulcan high priestess. She was on the original series episode, Amok Time. She was in charge of Spock's like um, ceremony when he was going through his um, Ponvar. And then she also showed up on that Enterprise season four arc. Like the Vulcan Awakening arc, she was one of like the um, they were calling them anarchists, I guess, for lack of a better word. I can't think of one right now, but she was a like they were saying she was a terrorist who bombed the Earth Embassy, right? Right. But then she eventually took took charge of like the Vulcan High Command after Mm -hmm. that. But it's like okay, yeah, they're investigating the DMA and it disappears. And then we go to Vance's office, and we're talking with Vance, and we're like, there's no way a natural phenomenon could could just disappear like this. And so it has to be man-made. And they're sitting around talking. Oh, this is even before we're in Vance's office, because I think we're in the ready room, right? Or the, the red, we're in the ready room, and we're talking about this. And it's like, well, if this wasn't natural, then somebody had to build it. And Book was like, who would do such a thing? And did I don't know if you felt this, Chase, but like the music in that in that thing was like building, building, building to a crescendo, and it felt like we should have cut to the intro right there. I don't know. It felt like it was like the music was building yeah. us. You know, I thought that too. Who actually, would, who if this wasn't man-made? If this is man-made, who would do such a thing? Cut to intro the way the music was building but like mm-hmm. discovery like they don't have teasers like they have act one right which some of them go on for like 10 11 12 minutes so this one didn't go on for that long but like i don't know i just thought it was a really interesting choice to have the music build like that i have like one little um uh i, I don't know if, if, if it's like really called for but i'm still gonna put it out there um and it had to do like with meeting with vance like i have no issues with vance at all I love Vance like one of my my favorite characters in Discovery for crying out loud but look I know that Starfleet um, and by extension even the Federation they're rebuilding right they're they're small they're fractured they're coming back together from like all the stuff like having to do with the burn and everything but do we need to like have check-ins with Vance all the time like, shouldn't captains be, like, uh, empowered to go do some things? Like, go go do the things on behalf of the greater organization? Well, uh, the, the only thing I would say to that, though, is that... So, like, Kirk was on a mission, a five-year mission. Right. Uh, and, you know, Picard, the Enterprise, was also more on you know, a mission of exploration. They had orders or a charter, so to speak. We don't really have that right now. So, and and, and let me also be brutally honest, 
with as new as everything is and the way everybody has reacted to this point, would you really trust any of these captains with complete autonomy to make their own decisions? If we're just being, I mean, with with, with like the, the way Rillick has kind of you know supervised a lot of things, the the involvement of of the admiral at this point, and you have this anomaly that literally destroyed a planet. I I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying, but like if this were I don't know, just for an example, like say, oh, the Klingons are acting up. Sure, let me go check it out and we'll report back, but you're literally talking about like a planet killer. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like the stakes are a little bit higher, so maybe you do have to check in with command. I, I guess it, it, it just it just seems like in maybe some of the shows it would have been done over a communique instead of in person maybe. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I guess my counter to that would be, Vance is the CNC of Starfleet. Like, he is in charge of Starfleet. I don't know. Like, normally you would think there is an admiralty, right? There's not one admiral, but there's an admiralty. And, like, if your captain is checking in, is your captain always checking in with the guy in charge, right? The the head honcho. No, probably not, right? You're probably checking in to an admiral, but he's not the admiral right the guy at the top and i know like maybe you can make the argument is like starfleet is still you know doesn't have the personnel that it's used to having so there isn't a full admiralty to check into that's that's how i would answer that question yeah you're not going to have like a colonel in the marine corps or a colonel in the air force you know checking in with like the freaking secretary of the navy or the secretary of the (laughs) air force by any means right like that's that's way overkill. Like you're gonna, like you're gonna go to your base commander, who's probably gonna be like a general, or something, some degree of a general, um, some degree of an admiral. Anyway, that that was that was just it. Like it's, it, it's a non-issue, but it's just, like yeah, like where where are the other admirals, right? Like or, or like a fleet captain, a commodore, because like. We, we've we've had like fleet captains before in Star Trek we've had Commodores obviously even in recent Trek we've had Commodores like surely Commodore O right surely we have someone out there or maybe Michael Burnham's going to become the next Commodore I don't know fleet captain maybe she'll be the fleet captain yeah yeah well, well again it's just like whenever we've had any of these larger staff meetings you're talking about like a dozen maybe captains so if you can and granted there's probably more and even in the um what was the car wash as you so eloquently put it what was the what was the actual name of that whatever our big shield car wash thing yeah i mean it's not like they had hundreds of ships in there right so right there might have been like maybe a dozen two dozen in there that we could see with the just the naked eye right so i I mean it's also probably like uh not to get all businessman but like a span of control you know you you know how how how, uh how many people can you bring in before you actually start building out and then who has Mm -hmm. the experience honestly coming as an admiral yeah so i don't know i think we just have to deal with (laughs) we have to deal with vance for now yeah well, this is where I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, I mentioned that we had like a little bit of a hint. We've had like a number of callbacks to freaking Star Trek Enterprise this season so far. 
And what do you know? We have one Mogen. It's a deep cut if you don't know about it, but the freaking Akali from the episode The Communicator. No, no, from the episode Civilization. Was it Civilization? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't catch this at first, even with my okay. encyclopedic knowledge. So I went and looked this up. Like, is this a species we've? Because it kind of like, like I know they just had little ridges like on their side of their temples. Mm-hmm. But I didn't recognize the name of this, so I went and looked it up. <clears throat> yeah, it's from uh, a season one episode of Enterprise, or called Civilization. Okay. You know, they were a they were a pre-warp civilization in Enterprise, and you know this is a thousand years after that. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like I was getting like the episodes mixed up. Uh, yeah, for they some were reason. both pre-warp civilizations. This, yeah. The civilization and the communicator. Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, like freaking freaking deep cut. Like uh, one more Enterprise, um, little little reference coming back. One more again. Um, it's 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 like not in your face so much. Um, it's just like that's who they are, and that there's like like no real it's other mention of it. The rest of the in episode. Not in your face as lower decks. Right, they're not. I mean, they. Are, I feel like Discovery is doing like the whole how much Star Trek can we put in Star Trek, but like it's like a diet cola version of it compared to a freaking lower decks or crying like out loud, which is like a surge cola. <laughs> right, there's a good '90s reference for you kids out there. Oh, surge. surge. Oh man. Oh man. All right. So. We we get the we we we're being introduced also to like the scientists. There's there's um, we're finding out that the DMA is going to be in the in the neighborhood of this colony of sorts um, that's going to wreak havoc in about four hours, and we have to evacuate the people of of this region. And um, oh by the way, we're also going to be conducting a science experiment because why the heck not? And we also have like a little bit of like some um, some angst, some anxiety from Colbert, which is like setting up like the multiple story points that we have. So we have to we have to go and we have to evacuate a group of people. We have to investigate more and more and more about the DMA, and we have to check in with Culver. I think are like the three main story points for this episode. Have to is a really strong word, there, Chase. You're welcome. <laughs> ha- have to is a very strong word. Well, well, listen, listen, don't anyone take this the wrong way, but we didn't have to check in with Adira and Gray this episode. They are nowhere to be seen. Like, don't anybody take that the wrong way. But I feel like this show in the past would have felt the need to at least check in with those two. And I think this is a positive that it didn't feel the need to do that in this episode because that just would have been way too much. Well, I, I, I want to say this. I haven't said it before, but I, I, I felt it. I think this show does one of the worst jobs of, of handling cast. Not casting, handling cast. Like, how many times have we asked, oh, where's Reno? Is she off buying more licorice or something on some random planet? <laughs> you know, using up 900 years of leave time? And then well, I- Adira, Adira, who's also supposed to be set up as, like, this whole, like prodigal engineery person and they're not there like in this kind of 
seemingly unnecessary critical juncture to do this experiment at the worst possible time to do an experiment. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really, I, I really dislike how they handle the cast and, here. And, and we, if you go to the bridge, like, man, Bryce, like I've said it a few times, he's 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 not on this crew or on this show yeah. anymore. Like, Lieutenant Christopher is is the new communications guy. Like, poor Lieutenant or Lieutenant Commander Bryce, he's just like being kicked to like we found out he liked to surf a couple weeks ago and that was the only thing we've ever learned about him in three plus seasons well, but it, then it, also it, but then also like Detmer and Owo weren't on the bridge at their stations yeah. for this critical it was like two no name like people sitting in the helms chair in the operations like why are like like why are our bridge crew our senior staff not here like that's handling the the staff well, we I had Reese. Like we had Reese that volunteered to go be part of like the evacuation effort. No, so no, no, I like that. I like that because you know, we've we've said it so many times. I feel like I know nothing about this bridge crew, and we're we're three seasons deep into the show. Like, yeah, we know Owo from season two. She grew up in a Luddite community. We know last year she used to go diving, and so she could hold her breath for however long it was, right? Which turned out to not be long enough to to save herself. <laughs> but like womp, we learned womp, we, we learned Lieutenant Bryce, you know, liked to surf just a couple episodes back. And I feel like this is the first bit of personal information we've ever learned about uh, Lieutenant Reese, our tactical officer, where, you know, he was part of a colony that was facing a natural disaster and the Federation came in and saved that colony, which is why he wanted to lead this mission because it was important to him to kind of give that back because the Federation helped him, you know, mm -hmm. evacuate from a natural disaster. But I, but personally, I mean, it's the lamest way to do it, in my opinion. You're just going to throw out this little tiny Reese thing or the little tiny Bryce thing. It's like, give them a flippin' episode that will actually help people connect because, like, that one little blurb from Reese doesn't make me connect with the character any more than it did five minutes ago. And then, and I think we've said this before, it seems like they're paying these people by the episode and like, oh, can't have you in every episode or we gotta pay you like a full contract, like some goofy SAG thing going on there. But no, I mean like the Reese thing, he steps up, okay, that's cool, that's what you should do. Next week, maybe we'll learn that Nielsen is like into, I don't know, crochet or something, and that'll relate to some crappy plot point. And I'm sorry, I don't I don't mean to sound angry about it, but it's like it's it is such a lazy way to try and make people connect with a character and it doesn't actually do anything because you're not spending real time with them. No 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 no. I, I totally agree with you, David. Like I'm yeah. I'm not saying that this is good, but I'm just no, saying we did learn something about him that we've never learned. But like, yeah. don't you feel like like Lieutenant Reese or Lieutenant Commander Reese at this point, he's your tactical officer. This feels like this evacuation is a tactical situation where he shouldn't have had to volunteer. I feel like he should be the person like, hey, Commander Reese, yeah. you're in charge of this tactical situation, you know, logistics and evacuate all these people. I mean, I feel like this is easily a task that could have been assigned to Worf at some point, hey, help evacuate these people. And, like, mm -hmm. we've seen lots of evacuation episodes in Star Trek, and they've been done much better than this because, yeah, Lieutenant Reese stepped up 
to be in charge of this evacuation. But then we didn't even get to see him lead the evacuation. We saw know literally th- nothing about the, the like that was like supposedly the whole idea of this episode was we got to evacuate these people. And we saw none of it. We saw none right. of Lieutenant Reese being in charge of this evacuation. Why step up and give him why have him step up and give us that bit of information about him if there was going to be no follow through and no payoff for it. And I just I don't like that about this episode. Right. I when when we when we're, we're kind of like dialing it back a little bit like when we're meeting with Vance in that little conference room area, whatever, I think it was like at at um, HQ or whatever. When we're when we're having that and uh, freaking uh, Burnham like just straight up volunteers like yeah I'll I'm 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 I'll I'll lead it personally type of thing and like oh Saru you're gonna be in the center seat you know doing whatever while every while this evacuation takes place there was like you're right like that should have been like very much a Reese type of thing like the captain like look I realize they're coming that Burnham and the Discovery and all of them. They're essentially coming from the Kirk era of of Starfleet, so there's almost a um, an expectation that the captain is going to be doing all the things. But it's much more nuanced now. I mean, it, it became much more nuanced even 78 years later by the time we got to next gen, and now here we are a thousand years in the future for crying out loud, 900 whatever doesn't matter. And it there there should still be like the leaning on like your specialty officers. And I would have really liked to have seen more than just, you know, four criminals, air quotes, right? Well, I think um, there were, and, there were and, te- technically six, but I think we only talked to four of them. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, would have, I would have liked to have seen, like, at least maybe, like, one or two scenes of people running amok, like, for their life, like, trying to, like, get transported to, like, respective, like, Federation starships, right? Like just to get the heck out of Dodge and see and see someone besides Book and Burnham talking people down off of a ledge. I right. think that would have really given like the episode a lot more richness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you brought this up, and this is something that I wanted to talk about. Right? We are Bur- Burnham is from the Captain Kirk era, where the captain goes on every mission. Mm-hmm. But Charles Vance, Admiral Vance, is not from that era. Like it is is firmly entrenched in Star Trek lore that the captain should not leave the ship. We have had, like, that's the whole reason why Riker was chosen to be the first officer of for Picard, because, you know, Picard knew that Riker would not let him leave the ship, right? And and it's like, there were, there were several instances where it was like a big plot point, the captain does not leave the ship, and I get, I get that this is the Michael Burnham show and she's got to be the hero of every situation but at some point i think this 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 ship needs to be brought into the idea of the captain doesn't leave the ship maybe they're still catching pro- up on i have a on, big problem with that they're maybe they, they're like they're still catching up on 900 years worth of uh, study material yeah but but admiral vance is like when you know Burnham's like, I'll volunteer to lead the away mission personally. And Admiral Vance would be like, no, no, you won't. You've got a first officer here, Saru, who's also a captain who is equally as qualified to lead this mission. Let him go. I don't know. You now you're talking about now, now you're talking about a paradox. 
Oh, they're both captains. Neither of you can go. <laughs> yes, but Saru has the position, regardless of his rank, he has the position of first officer. Yeah, but it, 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 all, it all goes down to plot device, though, because Saru, in his way, was where he had to be based upon his personality and the assessment of the, the available plot that they wrote yeah. for this particular show. Yeah. So, that's, like, that's correct. you are right. You are right. That is, te- that is technically how it should be. But, again, it, it's, it's last action hero Michael and her, you know, on again, off again, anger-scaled boyfriend book. And, you know, the... I, 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 will, I will say this, and obviously, Chase, you can back us up or whatever. I really did not enjoy their storyline in this, like, at all. I didn't enjoy... And I didn't enjoy... I, Michael and, and, and Books. Michael and line. Books, okay. I didn't like it. I didn't like how it ended. I didn't like... I didn't like any of it. And, and I can explain that a little bit further, but, like... But again, just back to Eric. It, it, it's, it's, it's all a plot. It's all a plot device. It, where people are, are stationed, you know. Yeah, I I personally want to, to hear more about um, Lieutenant Commander Nilsson for crying out loud. Like they're they're giving her <laughs> yeah. like they're they're giving her like seconds of screen time and like I mean she chews it up every single time. But like, tell me more about her for Pete's sake. I, like I give like. I want to know all about all of these people. This this would have give this would have been a good Reese episode. You've had opportunities yeah. to do the Detmer episode. You could like I don't even honestly know what Lieutenant or Commander Nilsson does. She's a bridge officer, but what is her job on the bridge? Let's let's define that and let's give her an episode to highlight what she can do. Is she the Okay, hold and on. She's let, like let, the, I think let, she's let, the spore operations person, right? I, I, but so like, who knows? We have, we, we have Detmer who's at officer? the helm. Well, we have we have Detmer at the helm. We have Owo with ops. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Reese doing um, tactical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce doing what? What's his gig? Was he communications? Communications. His yeah. communications. Right. I think so. Tilly was the science officer. Right. I think. You know, she had a bridge. She was in the blues, and she was on the bridge. Is she the science officer? And then I, <laughs> Lieutenant Nilsson, Nilsson took over whatever Arium's job was, which I don't know. Was that spore operations? I, I have no idea. Was it security? Uh, it's not because that was um. The person, oh, that was um, the um, Barzan. The Barzan. What was her name? I um, oh, uh, right. Yeah. She left less. She came on board. Would have been in, a great first officer. Yeah, 100%. she came on board in season two. For, came over from the Enterprise, yeah. and then she took over as security. What was her name? The Barzan. She left in episode if, five. Let's, we're look this up. Frick. <laughs> we're all looking this up. What was her name? And yeah. there are people out there that are, I like. I'm normally the one that's non. At, at, at people that non. can't. Non, yeah. yeah. Non. Commander Non. Yeah, yeah she was. They even put her good. in the opening credits for like two episodes. Yeah. Just like yeah, Rachel Ann Cheryl, Commander Non. Right. Yeah. Just like they even put Tig Notaro in the opening credits for this episode. 
I don't know if any of you noticed that. No. But one thing. But so Mary here's Wiseman, the thing. Mary Wiseman and Blue Del Barrio were missing from the opening credits. <gasps> They've been fired. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's keep moving, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have the op that we're we're getting after. Uh, let's let's just talk about the op, and then we can just like go and talk about whatever else. So uh, we we as a ship, like the Discovery, we just jump right to. Uh, where this this is all located, we have other ships that are warping in, and the evacuation commences right away. We beam down, transport down, whatever, and there are some horn beetles with some freaking razor blades coming up. Well, 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 do we do we mention that like the the, the prisoners, the whole situation, like the, this the point. magistrate of this planet is like they're prisoners. Screw them. Let them die. Let's get. Let's yeah. get yeah, the, everybody the, the else examples. out first. Yeah, right. good point. Sorry. Right. Like, why are we leaving these people behind? Well, they're criminals, and who gives a shit? Yeah. And they, aside from the one, they were all basically petty criminals. Nothing yeah. nothing of any note to warrant the kind of it, punishment it they was, did except the a, one. It was an emerald chain tradition of making an example out of people. Yeah. You know, like, hey, your petty crime will get you a harsh sentence, so don't commit any crime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are these these petty criminals that have been sentenced to essentially life imprisonment um, down here in these little like force field teepee looking things um, in this hangar bay, basically. They're in the shoe, essentially. The shoe, right? The S A. The shoe. You've never heard watch any prison shows? Send someone to the shoe. Nope. The S H U Secure Housing Unit. Nope. <laughs> Well, you need to watch some more prison shows. Bro, like, I watch like, SVU like, and Blue Bloods like okay. it's going out of style, I, All right, man. well, did you watch Oz? It's no. OZ Oz, right, from no. HBO. It's the, fir- I... the first ever scripted drama on HBO. It went from 97 to 2003. Fantastic show. It, it went before Sopranos? Yeah, Sopranos started in 99. Oz, Oz was the first scripted show wow. that, okay. that HBO ever did. And Chris Rowling was on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was doing double duty on that show and SVU. But like J.K. Simmons, Harold, Harold, not Harold Ramis. Um. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um. Oh my God. Not Harold Ramis, but the other guy from Ghostbusters, the black guy from Ghostbusters. I forget. Oh my God. Don't 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 hate me for forgetting his name. <laughs> Ernie, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Right. If the shoe fits, the the black guy from I know. from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm gonna like Venkman, Sp- Spangler. He, he's Zedmore. Zedmore. No, yeah, yeah, Winston, Winston, right? Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Okay. And like All like right. uh um J.K. Simmons was also on Oz. He was also in um, in the 2002 Spider-Man, which we were watching earlier. So. Yes, he was J. Joe and Jameson, yeah. Yes, he was. Ernie Hudson, okay. yeah, that's the yeah, Ernie Hudson. Winston's All right, so there are these horn beetles with a, yeah. a freaking razor blades coming out of their back um, that that are... Yeah. Um, Landmine co- beetles, yeah. <laughs> Very creative. Landmine beetles. 
Might as well put a laser beam on their freaking head. <laughs> sharks with laser Fre beams. Want a freaking shark with freaking laser beams attached to their head? Look, I mean, I don't, I don't want to gloss over, but like again, this is this. Is, I'm glad that they got out their little virtual tricorders and we're actually doing like things. So that that made me happy, but you spend so much time in a microcosm sometimes in this show. And look, I get I get the idea of the prisoners, but in order to break them out, you have two paths. One, you go to the actual computer and you figure it out. Or two, you use a blunt object and trap yourself in here. <laughs> Choose wisely, traveler. It was stupid. <laughs> so what are we gonna do? Yeah, let's go ahead and just shoot the shield generator. I'm sure that'll turn out real well. Did you forget about the biometric thing? Yeah, we're going <laughs> to overheat the shield generator with our phaser on constant beam. And then, then when they finally, you know, the, the prisoners are out of their little individual cells, then they're trapped because of the biometric lock that they're on there. They can't just leave, so they're locked down, and then you have to use razor freaking beetles. Reactivate the landmine beetles to come blow yeah. the door open, and then once a few of them blow open the door, here come the rest of them in. Yeah, the, the only thing, though, and, and I, I, hope, I hope it's just me and, you know, being overly cynical. I hope people enjoyed it more than I did, but the whole point of this was just to get to a moral story, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You you have you have um, someone who is of some native ancestry, whether that's like Native American or you know some sort of native to Central America, so something something some tribe out there, which made me think back to uh, and I I actually <laughs> Eric, you could probably tell me the episode names fast, like look, but civilization or no, excuse me, geez, that was the last tab, Journey's End. Oh, Journey's End was what oh, I was thinking because of the whole Picard thing and your family, you know, messed with our entire thing and all that good stuff. And, you know, the, the uh, Felix was the guy's name. The whole thing is he is actually a criminal. He took a life. He's trying to, to live repentantly. Um, and he stays. He stays on the planet regardless of whatever happens and it just felt like we, we we filled up so much of our time and this show feels so long to me it's 50 minutes it feels so long and look i i don't mind him telling his whole story it just seemed strangely out of place for me in the in this episode no, he well, told his like, entire like story Star Trek is all about getting to the moral, right? There's got to be some moral, some theme, some life lesson, right? And I, I think you, this could have been handled a lot better than it was. Like, sure. I don't yeah. mind this moral of, yeah, hey, I am the the one guilty, right? Prisons are full of innocent people, but I am the one guilty person who belongs here, right? That's, that's like a theme of prison shows. Yeah. Anything for going back since prison shows and prison movies and prison stories first began, right? Maybe way back hundreds of years. And so I don't mind that. I think I think that's fine, and Star Trek is... I don't mind Star Trek lecturing to me because I, I expect that, right? It's it's very blunt, right? It's There's no subtlety to this story at all. But, like, 
don't know. I feel like the Star Trek has handled this idea much better. The episode I thought you were going to bring up, David, was the Voyager episode Repentance, right? It's the season oh, seven episode mm. where, like, Voyager has to, like, save a prison ship that was going to blow up or something, and they put them all in the brig, and there's the one guy that, like, had a brain injury that somehow got fixed, right? I thought that's what you were going to bring up. But, um, yeah, it it felt long, and it felt like it could have been done a whole lot better. So I don't want to make light of this, but I'm going to make light of it a little bit. Um, like, we all have we all, all have people in our lives, like whether they're at work or they're people we go to school with, whatever it might be. Where, like, you know, the the thing is like the conversation, the activity, the whatever is naturally winding down, and it's like, oh, and one more thing, and then like that starts to like wind down again, and like you get them close to the door, oh, and one more thing, let me tell you, yeah, and then that happens again, and then it's like, oh, oh yeah, and one more thing, and by and like you've had one more thing like sixteen times that's how I felt about this like we were just like dragging our feet with like this this stuff that was happening with as Eric calls it the shoe so uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if y'all felt that way or not but like that was just kind of my experience like with, with it just a little bit I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of making a big to do out of it but like seriously though like it, it did feel like it dragged and kept going much longer than it needed to well, that's that's not necessarily also to discount the the actor who played that particular no. role. No, I, no, I, I, I liked fantastic him delivering when he finally like told yeah. his story about what he did. I thought he delivered it very well and did a, a very moving and compelling job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'll, I'll say this: I I do I am seeing a lot more in media right now where instead of showing somebody actually working towards their repentance they just die uh that was the thing in the eternals uh that spoilers movie. spoilers spoilers i'm not saying anything <laughs> i mean anybody could die just saying sure, that sure, that was yeah. you know kind of anyway but i mean it's the same thing here they just killed him they didn't you know what would have been really impactful in, in like a mark of a higher society, a more evolved society, is the guy comes in and gives that girl back her little uh, family tree thing that he stole all those years ago when she was a child after he had killed her father. And to have some sort of measure of forgiveness or some measure of uh, repentance or uh, restitution however you call that would be i think that moment could be insanely more impactful than just having him die on an asteroid yeah instead of yeah he could have been like will you forgive me and she's like i'm not ready to do that but let's see if we can work towards that somehow yeah and he's like whatever it takes i'm willing to 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 try and earn your forgiveness and if that never comes that's fine but I'll do whatever I can to repent rather than just right. killing him. I, I, I can't remember where, where we had the conversation. I know David and I were involved. It might have been you too, Eric. Um, but we were talking about the other star something uh, when it came to the, the ending of Rise and how um, Kylo becomes Ben again, basically. Mm. And then and dies. What, and then dies, right? Like, what, what, would it, what, would it could, what could it have looked like had 
Ben Solo, like, helped rebuild what he tore down. Like, like go through his own, like, kind of journey, right? Again, like, back to being a Solo, being on, like, the light side of the force and everything. Like, I'm not here to argue, like, it was a good or a bad movie, but, like, just the, I'm just, like, pointing out the parallel of, like, Felix, right? Like, just the, the, the end game is, like, just die. Same with same with same with Kylo. Just die. Right. Yeah, and, but and, but 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 the thing is, is in in Star Wars, the the more civilized age has already passed. <laughs> He's a mass murderer. They would have hung him from the rafters. But <laughs> but like even I'm, I'm I'm talking about that that Voyager episode, Repentance, where this is what this guy does. Like this guy was, you know, a cold blooded killer, and you know he. But it turned out he had like a a brain disorder that the doctor fixed, which I don't. Whether what you think about that episode where, oh, this bad guy, he wasn't really a bad guy. It was just there was something medically wrong with him, and we can we can fix the evil things mm-hmm. that people do. Whatever you think about that story, that's not that's not the point. The point is, as soon as he starts to, like, as soon as he's fixed, in air quotes, right, he says, I want to repent. I realize all the terrible things I've done. Let me try and repent. And they they make a, he makes a plea to the family the the like the family of his victim, will you accept my re- repentance or not? And the family chooses not to to accept his repentance. But even if the family chooses not to, at least he's trying to repent. And I feel like here we're not getting that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that essentially wraps up. Well, I mean, I mean his little his little like. Chase, I was sitting at lunch on Thursday, and I get a text <laughs> message from Chase, and I'm like, Chase is like, what was the thing that Thrawn stole from Hera in in Rebels? <laughs> I'm like, that's a random question. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, Calicori? Uh, check me on the spelling, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. The little, like, tea-looking doll thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? I was like, why is Chase asking me that question? He was asking us both. Yeah, yeah. And then I get home and I watch the episode. I'm like, bing, <laughs> bing. I know why he's asking this question. Because <laughs> this is totally the same idea as that as that, that um, Twi'lek, Calicori family thing that's got no value, but it's priceless to the actual family because every generation kind of adds something to it. Right, with this yep. little globe and then it pops out into their tree that they put their their picture on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. We've we've talked about that in recent in recent weeks, how like there seems to be some crossover between the, the, the two stars. Yep, the two star somethings are apparently the coming together. The two star somethings, yep. yep. Um I guess I'm sure like David the fi- picked up on that right away too. Family heirlooms, man. Family heirlooms, yeah. Um, I, I don't even know like when David uh, watched it, but like I was, I was hoping I wasn't spoiling anything um, by even asking that question. So, yeah. um, I guess like the final part of like the whole examples and Akali people kind of thing is Burnham gets back to the ship, and um, the magistrates there um, kind of teed off with everything that's happened and she very firmly says oh by the way you're a refugee now you're no longer a magistrate since like that 
that place, you know, that asteroid thing that y'all were living on, just got done blowed up. It don't exist no more. Yeah, 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 but... Like, I understand Burnham's attitude in that situation because she just rescued people that she felt were being treated poorly. But her attitude in this moment is is not appropriate for the city. Like, she is... No. Michael Burnham has had a holier-than-thou attitude the entire... And that's just, I think, her character, right, at this point. I think we just have to accept that she has this holier-than-thou mentality. But, like... Listen... These people, regardless of whether she thinks they are justly in prison, they're still prisoners of this society. And I'm, I'm going back to this repentance episode where, you know, they rescued these prisoners and the prison guards. And Janeway says, yes, you will be in charge of your prisoners. Even though this is my ship, I'm still going to let you be in charge of your prisoners because they are in your care. And I feel like that's the same attitude Michael Burnham should have. She should say, okay, we will put them in the brig. You will be able to watch them, but you better damn, you better treat them right. Because if you don't, that's when I'll step in. For and sure. then when we get back to Federation HQ, then we can deal with the whole political asylum and reviewing your case. But while we're in transit, which, you know, with the spore drive is just like three seconds... Right, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they should be in the care of these Akali civilization. Yeah, but the, I mean, this show's always had such a—I'll just call it a higher moral tone, you know. And um, look, did their crimes warrant the punishment? Probably not by our standards, but that's the prime directive. We're not judging everybody based upon our standards. 100%. You have to. And there is a measure of sovereignty. And despite the fact that this magistrate no longer has a domain to magistrate for, regardless, he is still responsible for the people of that now destroyed colony. And, I mean, how many times have we had confrontations on yeah I mean all all the shows where god I really hate this guy I, I don't I don't like this guy at all but I still have to treat them with a measure of respect mm-hmm. because I am a representative of the federation and they are a representative of whatever they're a representative of and and that again I, I think that 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 kind of pulls into maybe a bit of a misunderstanding between what the original series actually was this whole idea of cowboy diplomacy and wild western sort of handling of everything well that's not exactly how it was in the show mm-hmm. i mean yes they they had to make a lot of their own singular decisions because they were on a 5 year mission away from effectively everything exploring mm-hmm. everything that they hadn't seen before e- even in enterprise literally you are the first humans going out into space you have to make decisions um, and some of them might not be the right ones, but th- there, there is, there is an extremely high moral tone here, which does at times get a little bit annoying. And I think it's only maybe annoying because we know so much more about the overall scope of the Star Trek universe and how it has historically been. But this, this at its heart is a very modern to our time, moralistic view of the world. And that's that's just how they how they do it. And the guy was kind of a dick. <laughs> oh. 
Eric, um, well, actually, before I, before I'm going to try and remember it, like the this is like bringing up an example, and I hate to keep coming back to next gen, but like that's just I guess my my trek. Um, there is an episode of Next Gen. I'm trying to think of the name. You might you might just blurt it out, Eric. It's fine. Um, young man who's related to um, an admiral who is ultimately um, raised by some Talarians, I believe. Um, and he's led to believe that he is one of them, but he's not. And there is a I bunch of, I like... There's a bunch of, um, like, fractures and... Um, like just evidence of like what appears to be abuse that's taking place and people like want to jump in and, t and say like, no, th this is how it should be type of thing. Crap. Suddenly is, is human. Suddenly, suddenly human. human. Thank you. Thank you. It's from season three. It might be in season four. But. Thank you. That's what's kind of coming to mind. Like I realized it's like maybe a little bit different. Um, you know, like one's about like, I mean, they're, they're both have to do with culture essentially. And, like the optics of stuff but yeah like whether you like the Akali or not whether you like the Talarians or not that's just kind of how they were and like can you really blame a society if they were part of an organization like the chain for so long and now like either the chain is like broken or it's fragmented it's whatever like there's like distance from it can you really blame them if they're still doing the practices that they've known for freaking ever, right? Like forever. Like we were talking about freaking '90s stuff. Like, like at the beginning of this. Like that. That kind of stuff's just not gonna go away. Anyway, um, good talk. Go watch Suddenly Human, by the way, everyone. If you haven't watched, it's good. You know, it's good I was stuff. just. I, I, yeah, I knew that episode. It's definitely in season four. But I'm just looking it up here. Like six point five. Really on IMDb? Really? Uh, oh, for Suddenly Human? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's just shockingly low. Um, so what I'd like to do for just a moment is let's talk about um, the Culber stuff, and then we can uh, round it out with um, the DMA and that science-y stuff. How does that sound? Okay. Okay. You have eight and a half minutes. I have eight and a half minutes. Okay. Woo. Right, All right. right. You got that right. When you started saying it, you had ten, but now we only have eight and a half. <laughs> a warp speed. Here we go. Here we go. Very tight schedule. <laughs> Man. Your time we're, we're... is up. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Culber, man, like, he, we, we know definitively that he's still doing doctor stuff, like, like doing medical stuff and ship's counselor, which I, I mean, if is I, he I mean, still doing if medical I were in stuff charge, or is he like, that's what they said to full counselor stuff. That was my impression with what was said in, um, the dialogue between, um, Kovich and, uh, and Culber that he's doing doctor. He's being a doctor and he's being a ship's counselor, which if I were in charge, I mean, if I'm just saying, if I were the CEO of the 1031 a, I would be like, bro, full-time counselor. Make it so right now. I'm just saying. Um, like you, you see in the beginning of of the episode, like early on in the episode, that there's some angst going on. Even like in the preceding episode, there's some angst, like with all the weight that he's having to shoulder, with like the mental and emotional care 
and to a certain extent, like still the physical care of the crew for crying out loud. And then going into, um, then what we ultimately lead into the freaking, um, discussion with Kovic. And this was, I think my absolute favorite part of the entire episode because it just hit home hit way too close to home for me and it like I think apart from like the whole you died and you came back to life thing it is it was so freaking true so freaking true for everyone that was any in any type of healthcare position at the height of the pandemic oh my gosh and it, it's still this way too to a certain extent um, I absolutely loved it and I loved how freaking Kovic was like you know, you, you you need to do something outside of work for crying out loud to take care of yourself. Please, for the love of God, do something. I got to go, by the way. The meeting's over. No, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, thought it, I thought it was good. I, I mean, it's, you know, therapists, counselors, whatever, psychiatrists, they need, sometimes they have to see their own therapist, counselor, psychiatrist, right, to help mm-hmm. them deal with their own situations. And, mm-hmm. And that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And this felt like a, we, you know, I'm, I go, I go to the Sopranos, right? Where Dr. Melfi has her own therapist played by another film director, right? David Cronenberg is the film director and Dr. Melfi, right? Her therapist is played by Peter Bogdanovich, who's a great film director in his own right. Go watch the mm-hmm. Sopranos. It's great. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like. You know, everyone needs someone to talk to. He needs someone to talk to. And, you know, you have to realize that sometimes you are working yourself too hard and you are going to burn out. And if, you know, you think, oh, I got to work so hard, I got to help people. But if you're working so hard, are you really going to be helping people? Yeah, that's the like the thing that I was um, teaching my students uh, this this most recent semester was um, like, I, I, I use the example of like a freaking whetstone and for anyone that's like outdoorsy you know what a whetstone is like you use it to like you know sharpen blades and, and stuff like that and it's easier to cut something that's sharp than dull and especially if like you're you're doing like surgery um, like if you have a dull scalpel a dull instrument it's going to hurt and it's not going to be as precise and um, that was the example I was using with my students like look it's great that you can, you know, learn these skills, you can practice it, you know, the formulas and everything. That's great. Good for you. But if you're not taking care of yourself, like if you're not practicing what you preach, like, you know, telling your clients, like you need to go, um, practice some self-care, like, I don't care what it is. Like if it's, you know, playing guitar for 30 minutes a day or, you know, once a week, something that you can look forward to. Like if it's taking pictures of butterflies for crying out loud, I don't give a crap. Um, you got to do something to reinvest in yourself so that you can pour pour back out to others. And I loved how this was handled. Um, so far, I am just loving how well they are handling mental health, period, the conversation of it this, sem- this semester, this season um, for Discovery. <laughs> I love I mean, it so much. I do. I have, I, have, I mean, you know, I, I do. I think you're correct, and you can obviously speak better to the mental health issues um, that the show is dealing with. I, I think it well with one with one exception, which I can get to when we kind of wrap this episode up. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, and and when we were at the height of the pandemic, like 
we were we were just all mental health professionals like we're just inundated health just healthcare period all forms of healthcare were just overwhelmed overworked type of thing and uh, I remember at one point uh, so I, I do one part of like my my um, counseling I, like through an online service and we were told like if you just like accept people we'll like just throw money at you like we'll like pay you like double or triple but the fact of the matter is like you you have so much of a capacity and if you overextend you know you're not doing any good I mean you're just doing it for the money you're not doing it for the good of the people that you're you're working for which is highly unethical and um, yeah so like the first you know, first few months first you know six months of, of the pandemic were horrible for mental health care um, workers and just the hospital workers and nurses and everyone so um, that being said I really liked how this was handled so let's transition into the um, the the pea and potatoes of the episode Okay, Let, let's let's talk about the DMA, guys. DMA. Okay, so David mentioned this earlier. This rescue mission is going to take four hours, right? In the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, not that much time, correct? Right. That's two movies. <laughs> or what feels like watching the, the motion picture. Anyway, um... <laughs> It's four hours, right? Not that long. Now, I know you just realized that this DMA is not a natural phenomenon, but someone created it. And now you have to figure out who created it, why, and what does that mean. But do you really need to conduct a science experiment in the middle of an evacuation when all of your efforts should be directed towards evacuating those people. Probably not. Probably and not. and if you're going to conduct said science mission, don't you think there's probably a science lab at Federation HQ that might be a better place to conduct this science project rather than on the ship that is currently engaged in rescue operations? I mean, I'm sure Federation headquarters has a science lab somewhere that you can transfer your data to and say, mm-hmm. hey, Stamets, right? You can stay behind, right? You don't have to go with the ship now because Book can conveniently operate the spore drive. I don't know. I mean, David, you mentioned that it was a bad time science experiment. I agree. Yeah, I mean, well, again, it just didn't really make... I mean, if this were any other show, it wouldn't have made any sense. Yes, you can have an A and a B storyline, but this is like two episodes. Like, you have a rescue mission, and then you have, well, you would have an episode where you figure out, or at least perpetuate the figuring out of what this anomaly is, and then you would have probably, because we didn't have a firm conclusion in this episode, a very minor B plot, but these are both two A plots competing for the same 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it just seems contradictory because the other thing too is they're, they're searching for power. They need more and more and more power. You can't take it from the transporters because the transporters are working to evacuate colony, uh, the, these colonists. 
So they take the power from the, I think the phasers, which Reno says, oh, you know, it's uh, like, a, you know, on a scale of one to 10, uh, you know, 10 being we all die, it's like a six. <laughs> well, I mean. Can you do that again, David? No, I don't want to do it again because, like, I, I actually always I, I enjoyed Reno, but I think she's becoming really too dry, perhaps, almost you know, nonchalant about everything. And here's the thing: why in the hell would you take a risk of of any any magnitude when you are literally putting people's lives in your hands? So let's say that they weren't smart enough. They weren't uh, able to contain this micro anomaly that they've made. You've now doomed not only you, your ship, your shipmates, but a bunch of innocent people that you just picked mm -hmm. up off of a rock that was getting ready to explode. So, yes, the experiment needed to happen. But why it needed to happen during a, a rescue mission makes zero sense to me. And then it wasn't truly conclusive. Yeah. We, we just stopped it prematurely because... Well, well listen. Like, well, the containment was going Reno, on. They didn't Reno have gives Saru a kill switch. And, and our, our new scientist who comes on board, who's played by Sean Doyle, who uh, was on The Expanse, he played... Uh, Deputy Secretary General Sardivar Ehrenreich. Fantastic role on The Expanse. I know, Chase, you've started watching that. Everyone should go watch The Expanse, by the way. It's infinitely better than this show we're talking about right now. Oh, um, <laughs> but, you know, good, wow. uh, he gave a good, good, good performance as this scientist, but he's like, no, no good science was ever, like, stopped by risk. or I forget what his quote was, right? Mm -hmm. Right, and Reno's like, I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> yeah. And then she gives Saru a kill switch, and when Saru hits the kill switch, which was absolutely the right thing to do, some people can say like, Saru being a Kelpian is like cautious in his DNA and his nature, which may be true, but you know he's lost his threat ganglia, so he's no longer as cautious as he was in the past. But, like, mm -hmm. it was absolutely the right thing to do to hit the kill switch at that time. Even He might have even waited too long. And both both this the scientists that were brought in and Stamets were like, how dare you shut down our experiment? We were this close. Like, no, this experiment is over. Yeah. Great science was never accomplished with caution. Right, yeah, I'm not sure that's actually true. <laughs> that's like the quote, the only thing standing in the way of progress is ignorance. <laughs> I also yeah. didn't care for a little screaming match either. Yeah, that was dumb. I mean, you're 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 being goaded by an idiot. I mean, no offense, but like the guy is he's he's an idiot. No, he's a genius. As everyone no, in this a, episode has told us, he's he he's really truly is a genius. I mean, he he's kind of he's kind of like a he's kind of like a Noonian Son character where his own design is the only thing that matters and he will perpetuate his own ends into potentially the realm of immorality I would feel like and then we even have this part at the end where he sits with book and you know you have this kind of implication 
that potentially you're going to have Book detach from Discovery and maybe they go off and do some weird thing. And I actually had, you know, I, I know we don't generally theorize here, but because Chase made me read these books. You're welcome. About these stupid time things. They weren't stupid books, but stupid time crap. Things. I'm almost starting to wonder if this is going to be one of those lame self starting self-perpetuating loops where this guy effectively starts this himself it's not some great overlord in the sky but because this person keeps pushing with his scale models and everything he eventually perpetuates what comes forward eventually and it's probably overthinking it but again I just read three books in two months about time and loops and collapsing time. I'm so glad. Is that any crazier than a Klingon, an albino Klingon undergoing surgery to become a human that like (laughs) the code doesn't wake him up from? That's no more crazy than that, right? I suppose not. (laughs) Look, okay, so I'm glad you brought this up. So I was talking with someone and um, some, some folks earlier and they were theory crafting like what the DMA is and I came up with mine. Okay, so the the discovery, right? It jumps across like multiple light years, like whatever distance it might be, um, depending on what the plot is, like that week. And at the same time, we know that there is a next gen type spore drive that's in development currently. So, what if the DMA is like? the the next gen spore drive kind of gone wrong and we kind of have like a red angel-esque storyline kind of going on where like there's like this kerfuffle of like things like just blipping and like you know jumping in and out of places and we've like lost control of it and we have to like do like some weird timey-wimey crap that david's talking about you're welcome you're welcome for bringing the red angel back into this okay listen listen Part of me does think this is like a, a, a spore drive type of thing gone wrong because they they mention it almost every episode. Well, and that, generation spore drive. To, 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 to carry that along, he also does directly ask Book, so you're the other spore drive operator. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I, I didn't even think about that because I'm not the guy who like tries to, tries to theorize and right. figure it out. Like I'm not that type of person. I'm just... Hey, I'll fi- I'll find out what happens when it happens. I don't need to try and figure it out ahead. Of, like I don't have to try to figure out who the killer is 30, 30 minutes into the movie. I'll wait the two yeah. hours to find out who it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I really hate this idea of this anomaly being man-made, essentially, right? I really hate this idea, like. We saw in the first episode, and I thought it was a terrible decision to destroy Book's homeworld, Quajon, because it basically turns him into a big ball of goo, right, that should be, like, worthless for the rest of the season because he's just overcome with grief. And, you know, we talked about the mental health issues, right? I liked what happened on Navarre with the president and the mind meld and trying to work him through it. I thought it was too fast because this is now, like, two episodes after like a, a week or two after his planet blown up and he's essentially 
fine. But now, now when when this, something is a naturally occurring phenomenon, it's hard to be angry at it, right? You can't be. Can you be angry at a tornado for destroying your home? Can you be angry at a hurricane for destroying your home? I mean, not really. Can you? I mean, some people might say you can, but like, how do you stop nature? How do you stop something that just naturally occurs, right? You can. You can't be angry. You, you can't be angry at it. You can have your grief and you can deal with your grief but like now you make this oh somebody made this who would do this now you turn books grief into anger and we have this conversation between the scientist and book here that's like oh anger is such a great and powerful emotion and i don't know what you're going through with but i know anger and i can use anger so, like, that might be getting toward what you guys are, are thinking here. But, like, you know, we're changing Book's grief, which I feel like could be could be a good way to help him grow and explore this character into just straight-up anger. And I really hate that. And it just feels like the same mistake this, the, the writers and the producers made last season, they're making this season. And I guess this gets into my, like, review of this episode. Like last season started out really strong like those first five episodes were really strong and then the show took a big turn right starting at that episode Mm -hmm. scavengers and it like took a turn for the worse and i'm afraid that this season is going to do the same thing like while i haven't been thrilled with the first four episodes i think there was all good stuff in it but like this marks a turning point in this season this this show just took a turn and I don't think it's a turn for the better. I mean, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but this feels like a big whiplash turn in a wrong direction as far as I'm concerned. And I just don't sure. like it. Sure. Um, do we... I know we've kind of like, kind of, but not really glossed over the DMA story point. Like, Is there anything else that we want to talk about with it? I mean, is there anything that we need to talk I mean, about? I mean, you you get some name drops by Admiral Vance that I think I think may be worth mentioning for anybody who might not be familiar with them. He's like, we're trying to put together a list of species that that could potentially have done this, and one of them is the Metrons. Who, if you don't know who the Metrons are, they're the the from the episode Arena. They're the people that put Kirk versus the Gorn, right? And at the end, they say. Maybe in a thousand years, you know, or the Federation and your species will be able to interact with us. And we're pretty close to a thousand years after the original series, so there, there's that name drop. Um, and then they mentioned the Nassine, who I even had mm-hmm. to look up the Nassine. That is, those are the caretakers mm-hmm. from, um, from Voyager. They're actually called the, the, the Nassine. And then he mentions, what, the Iconians, who, you know, they had their gateways, right? The, there's, like, the episode in The Next Generation with the Iconian gateway and a, a Deep Space Nine episode where the first time we ever meet Wayun was in that Iconian episode. You know, I love me some Wayun. Um, and then he mentions the Q, right? Well, the Q could do this, but we haven't had any contact with the Q in 600 years. And I'm, I was trying to do the math in my head, like, when does Picard season two take place? Is that 600 years prior to this? And it's more like 700, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, but, but we haven't known the Q to do anything like this. 
so like there are some name drops there whatever that means i know later on this scientist guy who we're just calling him the scientist i cannot for the life of you tell you what his name was um mentions like well i knew right away it couldn't have been any of those i don't know who it is but it couldn't have been any of those people it's like Ru ruan tarka that sounds right yeah tarka Okay, so um, let's do this. Let's um, let's go ahead and roll into our ratings, and this time, um, let's go ahead and just combine both our um, our numerical and our deltas all at once, and um, maybe that'll save just a little bit of time for um, our listeners out there in listener land. Okay, so um, David, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with your um, your delta and your numerical rating for anyone that uh, this is their first time listening. A delta rating, we're looking at um, the different uh, divisions of Starfleet service, whether it's command, like such as like leadership type stuff, uh, leadership theory, leadership decisions, science, which is kind of obvious, and then engineering and operations um, having to do with like techno babble and other logistical operationally kind of driven stuff and then our our numerical ratings are on a scale of one to ten one being a dumpster fire ten being absolutely amazing yeah so i mean as far as deltas i mean i i think um i mean i think from a command perspective i i mean there, there to me there wasn't necessarily anything like supremely important going on but you know you you had reese stepping up uh, to aid in the evacuation, you have Vance's initial orders, you have Burnham's sort of, um, I guess, decisions uh, with, the, with these prisoners, uh, kind of finding them a loophole uh, in, you know, like Federation law and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. And so, like, decisions are made. I'm, I'm fine with a Delta for command. I don't think it's anything particularly strong, but it's there. Um, you know, science and, and, and engineering operations. I mean, th th this is always um, kind of a strange, strange thing because I, I suppose creating this little micro or uh, it's micro in comparison, micro uh, thing, I I'm, I'm not, I'm not really, words aren't really here right now, but uh, this uh, anomaly in your ship I mean that's t pretty technically wild so I, I don't know if that's more scientific or if it's more engineering or a combination of both I guess so I mean I, I think that it's probably Delta-ish wor worthy and I mean I guess from Reno's standpoint she is finding more power which is on the engineering scale you know figure, mm -hmm. doing her I'm giving it all I've got, Scotty, or impression, <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess. So I, I'm fine with like almost like a, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm fine with almost like a full delta here, just for for the for the lot, because it, it it's there uh, again. As far as like the actual rating, I wasn't crazy excited about the episode uh, after finishing it. They tried to pack two A stories into one uh, one episode that made it seem extremely long, and I don't think you accomplished as much. Our our whole prisoner story, I totally understand the rationale behind it, but 
sort of barring from Chase, it sort of seemed like, well, and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, mm-hmm. instead of just ending it. And it's, I mean, the acting wasn't bad or anything. It just, it's like, it's like driving a, a hammer on a nail that through a rock, as opposed to through a piece of wood. So it, it was fine. Um, I guess I was probably more interested in the, the, the anomaly and seeing where we could go with that. But it just seems like we're setting up like a, a con type bad guy, you know, who's going to potentially do something sinister and, and, and who knows. But I, I'm, I've never been exactly an, an overarching theme fan. I kind of like Monster of the Week. I kind of like week to week things that don't always have to interconnect so hard. Um, and, and that just seems what we're driving at. But again, like there is there is some character development but I think it's it's not always done very well, especially when we're talking about the bridge crew. The 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 rotation of, of, of the crew seems a little bit odd. I mean, the whole thing for all Star Trek is that you have a bridge crew. You have your your main command crew or whatever, and this is the people that you see in every single episode. You just sure. dot in Ashley Judd every now and again or something like that. So as far as as far as a rating, I, I don't it wasn't like a terrible episode, but it really wasn't like my favorite episode. So I don't I don't necessarily want to be unfair to it, but I would probably be somewhere in like I I would probably go like maybe like a six point eight. I, I think I think that that's okay. It wasn't like terrible, but it also could have been more concise. Okay. Thank you, David. How about you, Eric? Yeah, you know, there are decisions being made by people in charge here, right? So there's some type of command. I feel like you mi- this season has missed out on opportunities to do, like, science and engineering. Like, two weeks ago with the, the um, Choose to Live, missed out on a great opportunity to bring in a science and engineering team to save this this species on this asteroid right they could have been a great opportunity to do that right there could have been a great opportunity here like oh we're evacuating these people but we've run into an engineering problem so let's engineer our way out of this that this episode totally just didn't even tell us anything about what was happening with the main evacuation and it just missed out on that opportunity and yeah they're doing a science project but it's the most ill-advised science project ever like why do this now um yeah reno was there to be like yeah i can give you some engineering help on your side but like i feel i don't want to give it a delta because it's just in the wrong spot like it it just shouldn't be here and so like I don't want. I, I honestly don't want to give it any part of the delta, which I know is harsh, but I just feel like wow, okay. missed opportunities and in the wrong place. And as far as a rating goes, I think David was making a good point that that this feels like two A stories put together, and I feel like this season has been doing that. It's been trying to cram so much into so many episodes that like we run into this one. We've talked so much about. Why does it have to be 12, 13 episodes? Why can't it be 20, 25 episodes? And you can get all of this storyline that you want to get into. 
and it, I, I just feel like by putting so much together, you're not doing any of the storylines justice, and it makes these episodes slog. Like real, like mm-hmm. I mean, I fell asleep watching this episode the first time. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> on th- on Thursday night when I was watching it. Um, like, but I don't want to be too hard on it either because I feel like there is good stuff here. There's good stuff in every episode, and I feel like, you know, this this season has been doing like yes, it has this main storyline of the anomaly, but you know, in a sense, this almost felt like it could have been a self-contained episode. Hey, we're going to evacuate these people, and that's our story, and it gets to what David was saying about the monster of the week or the problem of the week storyline, and. You know, two episodes ago, we could have had, like, the choose to live. That's like, yes, it's somehow related to the anomaly, but it's, in a sense, its own self-contained episode. And right. The Tilly, right. the Tilly going on the mission last week wasn't related to the anomaly, but it was related to character development, and that could have been somewhat of its own self-contained episode. And so there's good yep. things to like here. And so, like David said, I don't want to be too hard on this, like... But I don't. I'm not gonna be too generous as well. I mean, I think, I think 6.5 is probably an appropriate rating for this episode. Okay. So. So the for the delta, uh, for me, um, yeah, like, you have you have a smattering of stuff that's happening in this episode, right? Like with, um like coming up with like uh, different uh, rules and procedures and law and blah 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 that's available to use um, that that like one of these prisoners is just straight up like putting Burnham and Book on the, on the spot like no 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 we, we need an answer right now like we, we tell us right now what you're gonna do kind of putting her on the spot when she's trying to do you a solid and, and give you a freaking jailbreak for crying out loud. I don't know, man. Um, the the leadership stuff, it's kind of there. Kind of there. The, the science, I think, is the thing that is perhaps the most on display in that, and maybe that's like a little bit of a stretch in the grand scheme of things uh, with like the DMA and like how do we come to grips and and really you know wrap our head around like what's happening like with the whole like this is man-made which I, I, I wasn't too big of a fan of like that just being like dumped in my lap like at the top of the episode like I, w- I would have rather arrived at that through scientific inquiry with our characters rather than some exposition from like something that someone you know that knew someone that knew someone came up with in a lab at like Copernicus Station yeah, or something. It, it feels like a good moment where where data's like, Jordy, I'm looking at all this data. I don't think this is a naturally occurring phenomenon. Right, that would have been <laughs> like, fantastic. Yeah, like then that could have like, you know, like we're Tark. I think Tarka and Stamets like their characters are being written the way they are to be at odds with each other. I think it could have been a really good growth moment for the two of them to to have potentially arrived at that together like oh we have something that we can like like really get on board with together because we found this out together um 
the Reno thing, like with like the whole like, oh, it disappeared, <laughs> and then the whole it's back, and oh, I can um, I can reroute stuff and harness this and do that, and you know, gee willikers, like that, like yeah, it happened, but I'm just like I'm I'm very apprehensive about like even like the engineering type of thing. Like I really think we need to re I, I think I need to revamp the Delta ratings, like. Is this like a cadet level performance? Is this like a, a captain level performance, right? Because um, like what I, I want to I want to show some love and like say like yeah we're doing it, but maybe not to the extent that we should be doing it, basically. So if I I mean I get to make the rules up. This is freaking <laughs> who's line right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything's made so, up. I mean, and like, points don't matter. <laughs> that's right. It's right. It's fine. So for me, like I would probably give like maybe like a lieutenant lieutenant commander like you know serving of science and maybe like a cadet or ensign kind of you know serving of like maybe like the leader like the command and like the the engineering stuff that's about it so this episode going into my numerical rating of 1 to 10 with this episode I I watched it on um, the day that it came out, and then I watched it again um, in preparation for the day that we recorded this. And I gotta say, like, I just was not all that jazzed about coming back. I'm like, well, like, I mean, I watched it a couple of days ago. I guess I should watch it again, so I'm, I'm fresh when we come to the end of the discussion type of thing. I wasn't too jazzed about it, and I was like working on like some photo editing stuff for like gifts that I was doing like that was I'm preparing for like gifts that I'm I'm making and yeah like this was just like a meh episode for me so this is like I'm not gonna like go into like too much exposition because we already have too much exposition dump and in discovery for crying out loud so for me this is going to be a shocker for for you and for David six just a straight up six for me um it was just very meh like I, I'm, I, I'm, I feel like I'd be scraping at the bottom of a barrel to give it any higher than a six for me. Just, meh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's fair. I, 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 I feel like I'm always like the super harsh one. So sometimes I'm thinking, well, this is what I really feel, but I think I'm gonna bump it up just to be safe. So I'm not like, <laughs> you know? so I'm not like, so you guys aren't like, damn, Eric, like lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot shoot well now that we got that out of the way um let's just take care of um a little twitter poll just real quick and then we'll we'll mosey on out of here so um here we go twitter poll time <coughs> eric i eric and david i polled the people of the twitter okay and um uh, eric since you're not on twitter I'm going to be very interested to get your opinion since David gets the chance to potentially see these. Like we, we like we share stuff with each other on Twitter. Like he shares his episodes, like we retweet each other's episodes and each other's accounts. So since you're not on Twitter, you don't get a chance to see this. I want to get your take on this. Okay. So the people of Twitter were polled who had the best goatee choices are Worf, Evil Spock, Thomas Riker, Benjamin Sisko. 
I know what I would choose, right? Okay, well, what would you choose? I would choose Ben Sisko, right? Okay. Because I know how hard Avery Brooks and Iris Stephen Bear fought for it, right? They didn't, okay. they, like, like, it doesn't seem like this should be a big deal. Oh, like, let your actor and your character have a goatee, but, like, it was a, Rick Berman was vehemently against it, right? Because it would make him look too, like, rough. I, I was, I don't know what forget what the exact wording Rick Berman used but like they fought really hard for it and like Avery Brooks and Iris Stephen Bear were adamant about it so I would go with that because that's like who Cisco really is and it's pretty awesome right he he you know we talk about how Riker grew his beard and the show got better right but like Mm -hmm. Cisco shaved his head and grew his goatee and the show got better Way better. Right? But like way better. I think the answer is probably according to the Twitter the Twitterverse, right? Is that what they call it? The Twitterverse, the Twitter <laughs> sure. sphere, whatever you want to call it. Sure. They're probably yeah. gonna choose evil Spock. Because it's okay. just iconic. Spock's beard. Okay. So this poll, when I put it out, for a very, very long time, there were zero votes on two of two of the four choices. Okay. Like it was almost neck and neck with two of these at one point. Okay. So let's let's go with with the results. Okay, everyone. So with 4.2% of the vote, we have our boy Thomas Riker, 4.2%. And uh, I mean that doesn't surprise me remember- because it's like a two episode character. Right, and he really only has the goatee in the one Deep Space Nine episode. That's it. Right. All right. In third place, with 8.3% of the vote, we have Worf. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I was kind of surprised that Worf didn't get um, more of the love than that, to be, to be completely frank with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, all right, let's move into, and this is obviously going to give away who, who won. In second place... Okay, our runner-up. I was very surprised to see what the final number was, Eric. Okay, like I'm not even I'm not even like playing this up or, or hamming it up or anything. Like I was actually very surprised with what the result was, based on what I was seeing earlier. Sixteen point seven percent of the vote. Evil Spock. Whoa. Right. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Our mirror universe Spock got 16.7% of the vote, which leaves our boy, Commander, later full captain, Benjamin Sisko, with 70.8% of the vote. That's shocking to me. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, you can chalk it up to, you know, Mirror Spock just being a one-episode character as well. But I feel like that's such an iconic image in Star Trek lore, right? We talked about that when we did the Miriam this episode. There's even a band named Spock's Beard. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I just I, that, that's shocking to me that it's seventy percent Ben Cisco. I guess I don't have I don't have the read of the Twitter verse, right? I don't know what they're thinking. That's fine. That's fine. There was there were some fun comments, and I got to just do like some some GIF responses with it. And um, one person was like, um, "Who was it?" Uh, Chris with the Twitter handle at GIJane7702 commented, man, 
that was a difficult choice with like one of those like like uh, laughing with like a teardrop um, emoji faces right next to it and I had like a little giggling Picard gif as a response <laughs> and uh, and then we have with uh, uh, the other comment we had two comments um, is that even a question evil Spock with a little um, yeah, mean little mean, mean girls, girls gif <laughs> yeah and to which I responded a dazzling display of logic there we go so Anyway, that's that's it. That's it for uh, for the Twitter and for the the show and everyone, everything, everyone. Uh, I'd like to thank David and Eric as usual for joining me in on these um, these discussions um, each and every week. You know, even if we didn't talk track, I'm just like we, we've said this before, and I mean it still. I just enjoy just being able to hang out with you guys every freaking week. Like Same. Discovery, Prodigy, Lower Decks, whatever, man, doesn't matter. Same. So. All right, everyone. Uh, what did y'all think of the episode? What do you think of of this um, this episode? The examples. Um, do you think we made an example of this episode? <laughs> we we discussed it. Um, did you rate it higher? Did you rate it lower? Did someone give it a one that listens to this show? Let us know. Check us out trtvpod.com. Check out our handling frequencies portion of our page where you can uh, leave a comment, leave an idea for a future show. We would love to hear it. Um, Otherwise, to support the show, uh, tell a friend. Help the um, help the show grow. Tell a friend. Go steal their phone, their tablet. Give it back to them, but steal it and um, auto subscribe them to our show so it auto downloads. And they're wondering why do I have a Star Trek show on my phone? Doesn't matter. You have it now. It's great. Um, otherwise, uh, other than that, um, you can um, set, open up handling frequencies and contact us directly. Um, enter in uh, coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before the potato and the pea thing do their thing and things just run amok, basically. Um, other than that, if you do want to mail us something, you know, like, actually mail this to Eric. I'll get it to him, but just, you know, send it to Eric by way of Lone Star Station. Like, one of those, like, land beetles, like the little razor blade things. That's fine. I mean, he needs to mow his yard some way or whatever just turn those thing on side it'll be fine right right <laughs> i have a Good lawnmower grief. no but you don't have a 30 second century lawnmower no. it's totally different I, I totally guess, different I guess I don't. not yet at least it'll get there anyways p.o box 2455 azel texas 76098 everyone thank you so much for joining us and as always remember to boldly go and make it so